Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto. Enjoy today's show. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us again for another edition of this mini-series. I'm very excited to introduce our guest today, Mr. Jack Spallone. He is one of my favorite people to talk to at this intersection of the creator economy, the music industry, he has a lot of really great insights. And so, Jack, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks, Kevin. So let's start off a little bit of your background, what you're doing today, kind of how you found yourself into crypto, as well as, you know, that intersection of crypto and music. Yeah, so I should uh, say I, I started my career formally in music. I was managing artists. I was also... Um, talent buying, booking shows at venues. It's pretty put off by the industry. It was not, I think, the end-all be-all for me in my professional life. Um, it's kind of seedy. Um, but I was really interested in the intersection of technology and music licensing. I caught the crypto bug um, back when I was actually an undergrad uh, many years ago. And I didn't really have anything to apply it to, industry-wise specifically. So I inherently just applied it to music. And what I what I learned was that this technology was a potential um, silver bullet for all of the problems with music licensing. Um, I also like the potential of seeing some upside in a career of an artist if you could tangibly help promote them. Um, so, long story short, in uh, in twenty sixteen and seventeen, I was working with a team, um, an open source team. We developed. Uh, metadata schemas for addressing copyright within smart contracts. Um, I eventually joined Consensus in 2017, and I led the development of the Ujo Music uh, portal, which is a product. It was the first user-generated content uh, product built using Ethereum. And I did some R&D while at Consensus. I helped lead up the partnership with Harry Fox Agency that built the Mechanical Licensing Collective, which collects all U.S. copyright royalties for mechanical reproductions. Um, I ended up leaving in 2020 to work more directly with artists and explore use cases that they could do um, as individuals. And I namely have been working with an artist, RAC, um, who I know is a big fan of Real Vision and what you guys are doing um, in RAL. And we've done a couple things together, like social tokens. We did a, a token release called Tape that ended up being the most expensive cassette tape ever sold. Um, and now I formally, I work at a company called Hi-Fi Labs, where we work with individual artists and help develop their careers using technology, uh, but also have an ideal lab where we explore what technology could be applied to artists. So it's kind of a two-way street there. But uh, yeah, it's kind of, it, it, it satisfies this vision of helping artists as the platform themselves, as opposed to creating platforms for artists. Yeah, and I think that's a, a really kind of great jumping off point maybe give some quick context around how the music industry operates today and, and more specifically you mentioned this kind of intersection right and how crypto can let's say empower some of these artists to, to really take back the, the the power and the value that they're creating maybe talk through again quickly how the music industry looks and then what are you know a handful of these improvements that you really think that web3 technology can come in and, and really help um, uh, provide 
Yeah, I think there there's probably like two different vectors here. There's where crypto or Web3 more generally intersects with legacy systems of the music business in ways that we've known to understand how the music supply chain works, how music licensing works, how fans interact with artists, etc. Um, and there's no shortage of ideas where Web3 technology ultimately could, in at least theory, be better than existing systems. And then there's this other vector where there's complete net new opportunities that are otherwise not possible without crypto or elements of Web3. And for the majority of my career within crypto and music, I've been focused on the former vector of applying this technology to existing issues. Uh, but really in the past two years, I'm like all in on new possibilities. And it's part personal. I've, I've been hurt. I've tried to change things for the better. Um, and it's just pure excitement and, um, you know, inherently pioneering or creating novel use cases that uh, we've now kind of opened our eyes to. I think NFTs are a great example of that. Um, I think social tokens are a great, great example of that. Uh, but I think the economies that can be built on those two things as like the base data layer are what could be really, really exciting. And we can talk a little bit about that. But Traditionally speaking, um, you know the music is, the music business is actually a bunch of different sub industries or businesses, and you have copyright as kind of one tent pole. Um, then you also have the government, and as one tent pole, they set a lot of rules around copyright and how it needs to be paid for. Uh, so there's things or efforts that need to happen within that context if things are going to change. Um, then there is the actual business side of it. You have everything from management to labels to publishers. And those are each kind of respective their own little industry. And some revolve around the artist, person themselves. Some revolve around a specific form of copyright and its uses. Um, and then you have distribution, which is kind of a broad term for taking that music and putting it in an outlet somewhere. Um, that's its own little sub-industry there. Um, and then you have the actual outlets, your DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, um, but then also like your band camps of the world, smaller ones like that, um, places that you consume music online. And these are all in the current context kind of built on a continuum of legacy infrastructure from an analog world when digital was not a thing. And there's inherent problems with that. Uh, but I think the industry has done a good job and uh, with time helping it um, accommodating some of the, the flows of how that could work. But now Web3 as this kind of like looming potential massive technology stack is staring this legacy infrastructure in the face. And there's a massive, massive discrepancy of how things are being done and how they could possibly be done. Um, there's a lot of political motivations or business motivations within innovating these this current supply chain. Um, and therefore... I think carving out these new net new opportunities for music distribution or interactions with music um, are met with inherently less friction and a lot more excitement. So um, I think we could spend you know a whole hour focusing on those legacy issues and where the rubber meets the road, but um, I think that it would be way more exciting to talk about that future and this this latter vector. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I really like the way you break that down, kind of differentiating between the two, right? Because I think one thing that's really interesting about Web3 
And you have this, you know, hybrid between different industries where sometimes leveraging even existing web two platforms can help you build a web three business, mm -hmm. right? And kind of vice versa. I do want to get to the future possible kind of new opportunities that web three is going to open up for specifically for music artists. But quickly, I, I do want to touch on, you know, you, you, were, you were noting this um, in your prior commentary around how today's platforms essentially kind of take that power away or, or, or that value away from uh, the, the artists themselves who are, who are creating that value, right, in theory. And there's a lot of intermediaries kind of along the way that, that take a cut of, you know, an artist who's on Spotify, Apple Music. So really quickly, just kind of laying out again what, what, what the what world looks like today and how this industry exists. How do you start to see, let's say, social tokens, NFTs, really just kind of Web3 digital assets starting to, I guess, bleed over from that Web2 to Web3 world? Right? Like, what is that transition you think going to look like and how before we can get to, let's say, the really, really unique new opportunities that Web3 unlocks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, on the one hand, I think if you had a company like Spotify integrate wallets tomorrow and allow people who import wallets be able to see and view the NFTs that they have or have purchased that are music related, that'd be a very, very compelling use case for them that I think, you know, ultimately would be met pretty widely anyway, pretty positively. And um, there's some constraints around them and doing that and why, why they won't do that. But for the most part, there's nothing stopping a legacy company from treating Web3 use cases like a feature within their stack. Uh, I don't think that we've seen a lot of like reception or really efforts in earnest from big music companies to do that. But there are some that I think are pretty well positioned to do those things as opposed to others. And I think once that happens, whether it's NFTs or just leveraging existing NFT purchases or doing something like social tokens, which we can speak a lot more about, um, or allowing people to interact with social tokens within their site, say it's Apple, say it's Tidal, say it's Deezer, any one of these DSPs, they could make this jump. Bandcamp could even make this jump. SoundCloud could make this jump. Um, it would be very, very exciting. But I think that um, that's just not how it's going to go. I think what we'll see is individual creators create these um, seemingly isolated use cases and economies. And then I think before long, we'll see applications built on top of that information and bring that all into one place. And when that happens, you'll start to see kind of a, a network effect happen, where then you ultimately have more creators coming in on your supply side to, to do the thing. And then you have much, much more demand. And they're all kind of pollinating with each other. Yeah, and that transition again from that web two to web three world, I think one of the um, the big kind of elephant in the room too is, as you alluded to, is this concept of on chain data, right? And and this the struggle initially probably to let's say port over, you know, the web the information that's flowing to those DSPs or the web two platforms into a web three context, right? And whether that value accrues to you know some type of NFT drop, whether it accrues to uh, social token or community DAO is, is, is still kind of being written, right? We don't know exactly how that, that value chain is going to develop, I guess you'd say. But maybe I, I know you have a, a, a strong interest in things like copyright and obviously on-chain royalties. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we can touch on that a little bit. And, and if there's any interesting projects, something like a paper chain maybe that is, is starting to kind of, I guess, bridge that gap between those worlds to start to create, let's say, more on-chain assets. Yeah. So this is a great point. 
point, and this is not exclusive to music, right? Like the idea of having on-chain activity, on-chain revenue uh, is always kind of been like the crux of the value proposition of a blockchain. Um, what good is, you know, a programmatic logic layer where you can trigger an event based on some sort of action if the action doesn't happen on chain? Um, so like I can't use smart contracts to divide your royalty payments from Spotify if they still need to go through traditional channels or payment channels that are not on chain. And so I'll give the context here, but when I was at Consensus and we were building out Ujo Music, it would have been great if we could have been a distributor and instead we fit kind of behind Spotify and Spotify when they would make a payment, they could just pay rights holders directly using this infrastructure stack and the rights holders have wallets, et cetera. It's, it's very easily and intuitively understood concept if you you know understand the nature of crypto and smart contracts. Hey, if you like this clip, be sure to check out the full interview and more only on realvision.com forward slash crypto. It's 100% free. Sign up now.